Welcome to Lead Today with me, Kalina. Let's talk leadership. Oh, hi. So glad you're here. Today, I want to chat a little bit about a topic that I think gets a bit of a bad rap. Rest. Especially, at least for me growing up, I know that rest often was equated with laziness, lack of motivation, not being ambitious enough. I constantly felt like if I wasn't being productive in some way or contributing somehow, I wasn't doing life right. I wasn't doing enough. It constantly felt like I wasn't enough and I put these standards on myself. And so if you're anything like me at any point in your life, I hope that this will be useful. So I've done some research on this because I wanted to have a bit of structure as to how to explain what I've realized in my day-to-day and how I've made my lifestyle be supportive of my health and my well-being while being able to also contribute to work and have relationships and do fun stuff. So there are seven types of rest. A lot of different therapists and coaches, well-being specialists will talk about this. I don't know the original source, but I will link to the post where I found it. And I'd love to go into a little bit of depth about it. So first and foremost, physical rest. We all know this, right? It's like, hey, I feel low energy. I'm super tired. I want to take a break to sleep specifically. I don't want to move. Your eyes don't stay open. You know, it's kind of like a after Thanksgiving dinner type of feeling where you just simply want to close your eyes. So what can this possibly be if you are feeling that? Then it can look like a nap, sleep, lying down, or doing less. I actually did um, a human design quiz of sorts, which is, it puts you into these different manifestor categories and It's probably a subject for another episode. I'll have to get a friend of mine on the podcast who knows a lot more about human design to talk that out because it's a totally different realm of discussion. But essentially, uh, I'm a projector and with projectors, we're often in need of simply lying down in order to reset. doesn't necessarily mean sleep, but sometimes simply lying down can be a really great solution to feeling physically tired. So, physical rest. We know this one incredibly well. Nothing surprising there. The next one. Very interesting for me because after my car accident, I definitely needed this. And it was very different from physical rest. And I I finally, because of the accident, recognized the stark difference between physical and mental rest. So, number two is mental rest. And... This is completely needed when you're feeling anxious or stressed and like you have too many thoughts. So your mind is buzzing and it's almost at light speed. It's kind of this overwhelmed feeling of sorts. And it's like there's too much going on in your world and your mind is racing. We've all had that sort of feeling, even if it's not getting to the point of overwhelm. Sometimes when things are whizzing around, it's good to just take a mental break. 
And we know about this when it comes to, for example, studying for exams where we simply feel saturated by all of the information. Or if we've been working too long on a screen, there's probably a bit of physical fatigue there because your eyes are working really hard and the lights on the screen are a bit difficult. But then there's also mental fatigue in doing really complex, very cognitively draining tasks. Again, I noticed this when I had my car accident because of my traumatic brain injury where I would just feel foggy. I couldn't actually focus much longer. It would lead to the onset of physical symptoms. So it would lead to migraine, eye strain, dry eyes, neck pain, feeling like I just needed to close my eyes. And so the two are very interrelated, number one and two, where mental tiredness or mental exhaustion can also lead to physical exhaustion because as we know, our bodies are connected to our minds. Go figure. (laughs) We are one being in that sense. So how do you take mental rest? Well, what I found works so far is time in nature, taking a screen or tech break. So as I said, especially from the concussion, I've seen this in a stark contrast to what I used to be able to do in terms of hours on technology. Like I just, I can't just sit down on a computer now and go eight hours and kind of barely look away and not get up for lunch. Like that's just not happening for me in my life anymore. Thankfully, actually, I, uh, I'm really grateful for what happened. Maybe another podcast again. I find it's funny in these podcasts. It's like, I'll go down these tangents and it's like, ooh, here's another episode. Here's another episode. We could talk about this. I have so many ideas. Oh, yeah. There's actually, that's I think the counterbalance or the counterweight to mental exhaustion is that oftentimes if your brain works like that, where it's sort of um, thinking in webs in a way, so you kind of, you gain momentum off of ideas, your own ideas or ideas of others, and you sort of brainstorm, can actually be a very powerful way of thinking because you're ideating and coming up with all sorts of new thoughts, ideas, and potential solutions to challenges or situations that you're in. That being said, a lot of that, a lot of problem solving is exactly what leads you to need mental rest. So yeah, time in nature, tech breaks. I love just stepping away from technology. Maybe it's journaling, but even that might be too mentally stimulating. Some sort of mindful activity though, if you can do it in a chill way. I actually find that in some way, this podcast, when I record episodes like this, perhaps not totally mental rest, but it certainly certainly allows me to express myself. Yeah, maybe that's not a good example. But I don't feel like I have to think so hard. I'm able to just express my ideas. So perhaps some form of expression is useful. It's not like I'm calculating things or I'm being extremely... I don't know, in a problem-solving mode. I'm more in a storytelling mode when I'm here. So that to me feels some somehow mental rest. Perhaps it depends on the cognitive activity. So if you're doing a lot of calculations, perhaps you can switch to another form of mental, another form of cognition. So storytelling or visioning, right? Visualizing something. Or if you're tired, so maybe it's just switching. But if you're all in all just tired of thinking and don't want to think anymore, which I can totally resonate with when it comes to just a long day at work. And that's why I think we sort of turn on Netflix and chill, if you will. It's like we just want to zone out and veg out. There are possibly some more healthy 
uh, I don't want to say healthy, be judgy, but there are probably other ways that we can allow our minds to rest where we're putting more intentional things in them. So meditation's a good one. Visualization, there are meditations that help you visualize. Uh, different, maybe mindful walking. I've found that just walking with no phone with Max, my dog, has been brilliant. Um, and sometimes I actually find that if I'm mentally exhausted because I'm on tech all the time, something that's really useful is actually going and getting physical activity even beyond just the walk. So maybe yoga, maybe swimming. I'm not really, I don't really enjoy running, so probably not a runner, but um, yoga, swimming, walking, bike riding, I do enjoy that. But some sort of physical activity because there are a lot of times where actually this is a good segue because if I don't feel tired at the end of the day, like right now it's actually 11.30 p.m. and often I find I go to bed around 12 or so and um, if I'm finding that I'm mentally sort of wound up from all the thinking throughout the day, strategizing and working on my business, I find that physical activity will help me somehow relax my mind and then also tire out my body. I mean, we do this with kids, right? So no surprise it works for adults as well. So that's something there. Next one. Oh man, I think this one is going to hit home for a lot of us, especially with the past year, depending on what sort of year you've had. Um, the third type of rest is social rest. So we need this when we feel like we just want to be alone. We don't want to put on an effort to perform for people. Oh, that one is just like, I feel like I need to put my hand up and <laughs> jump up and down. I often feel like I need to be on. It's this kind of weird, like I need to be a certain way. It's this deep down, you know, performance thing like and and not in a fake way like it's not performance I'm an actress it's more just like I need to be interesting or engaging I need to make sure that I'm paying attention to the other person am I being am I talking too much like all these social cues that can just be exhausting and it's funny because my whole life whether it's my mom or friends you know my mom especially would say I'm introverted and you are so extroverted you'll just talk to anyone even as a baby would just be in your stroller you know grasping at anybody that walked by to talk to them and so this whole discussion around introversion and extroversion I find really fascinating because while I think there's if we look at ocean and the different personality characteristics there with openness conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeable, agreeability, and um, I believe it's narcissism. Ooh, no, that's wrong. I need to look that up so that I don't say that wrong. It's actually neuroticism. Oh, there, I don't need to look it up. Neuroticism. So um, with those, right, there is this level of extroversion, and certainly it's something but that doesn't mean that I don't need to recharge. So for anybody that's like, yeah, I'm extroverted. I like being around people, but damn. It's like, I think everybody, it's a scale just like everything else, right? It's like it's a continuum. And being around people can be absolutely invigorating and inspiring. And I feel like I'm in my element and I love it. But I do need that downtime. So like, I do need both. 
I don't think there's anybody just because you love being around other people does not mean you don't need alone time. And so I think it's really easy for people that are labeled extroverts to kind of skimp on the social rest. So if you just feel like, oh, people are annoying me. I'm not liking what people are saying. I'm frustrated all the time. Nobody can say the right thing or do the right thing. If you're just getting that aggravated feeling from everybody, I say take a pause from hanging out for a bit and see if it resolves. Um, Sometimes, for me, I just like to be completely alone. I mean, my dog is is fine, but even sometimes I just want to be purely 100% alone. Um, Sort of a medium option around this if you're like, yeah, I don't need to be alone. I just kind of don't want to socialize that sort of broader group I would say picking people that bring you energy or make you feel really comfortable and at home where you don't have to put on that performance if you will that can also be a good resolution to social rest if you don't want (laughs) complete isolation like me then you know there's that bit of just taking a break with family or close friends or the people that kind of get you next one is creative rest really interesting for me because I definitely go through waves don't know about you and how you work but for me it's like I can't create all the time like even if it's this podcast right like I'm launching episodes weekly and with my book as well it's like I had to write all these chapters needed to edit them but there would be times where it's just like oh man I am not inspired I'm so stuck I have no ideas like I have nothing to write in this book I can't even look at it you know like just I don't want anything to do with this book Uh, I think my right after the car accident the fact that it was so hard to deal with technology obviously had something to do with me taking months away from writing the book because I just physically couldn't handle it but this is a stark difference from physical being physically tired and then needing physical rest this is like the creative juices are just not flowing. And there's a fine line, right? Because, you know, on one end of the spectrum, it's like, no, discipline, write for 15 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day or whatever it is. Who cares how you feel? Just push through it. And that's kind of one line of thinking and potentially one solution. And maybe you want to go that route. That's cool. No one's here to say that that's wrong. However... I've found that that doesn't work for me 365 days a year. So I do need times of rest away from certain projects. I even find that I need to cycle in and out of projects. So I like to dedicate different time blocks, whether it's within my day or even within my week. Like I will dedicate different chunks of time to different projects because I find that I get in a bit of a thinking rut and a creating rut. Like I don't feel innovative. I don't feel inspired and innovative. And I I can't look at something clearly if I'm looking at it all day long. You know, it's kind of like when you take that break away from the book, the discussion, the project, the Excel spreadsheet, whatever it is. When you take that break, you can come back with fresh eyes And that's always been super useful to me. The question is just what is the what I what is the break, right? What does that time away look like? Maybe it's not six months, right? Like maybe it's just a couple of hours of creative rest, a couple of hours of just changing up the focus and what you're working on. So 
it's really needed when you just feel like you're stuck, you have no new ideas, nothing's moving forward, you don't know what to do next, and you're just sitting at that blank canvas or partially completed canvas, uh, partially composed song, partially written book, whatever it is, and you're just like, oh, (laughs) I want nothing to do with this anymore. Uh, And so some solutions, as I mentioned, some just time away. Similarly, going for a walk is always a good deal. Looking at other people's stuff, which is actually maybe a bit counterintuitive because it's like, eh, I don't know. But consuming other people's content. When I'm content creationed out, I find that I like to go and listen to someone else's podcast or look at someone else's feed or consider someone else's book. So when I wanted a break from my book, I could dive into someone else's world, dive into someone else's dialogue and become reinvigorated and re-inspired. And oftentimes it would bring me to new new heights and, and give me something new to chat about and new to bring to the table. So definitely going and consuming content when you're not able to output anymore because you feel stuck or uninspired, that super helps. Um, and also, ooh, another one is that's really good. It kind of ties into going for a walk, but changing scenery. So going out for a walk or, or changing rooms of your house or going on a trip if you can, a road trip, a small trip, something. You're just going working at a cafe, a different cafe or at your friend's house or, like I said, in another room of your own house. Just getting yourself... Change of pace, change of scenery can be super huge for getting the brain firing again because when you're in a new environment, this is what makes me love travel so much because when I'm in a new environment, everything is is novel and so there are things to sort of figure out. It's not the day-to-day. I'm not in my habit, not in my habitual way of doing, right? Because there's a new place to find a grocery store and a new place to go for a walk with Max and you know even the apartment that I'm in or the space that I'm in the house that I'm in at the time the feeling of the place is different the rooms are different and so keeping things fresh environmentally for me is huge when it comes to getting that creative spark back next one also super valuable we have a few more left Oh, and this one, I, you know what, this one is probably the one I'm working on the most. Like I, the first few that I've just mentioned, I'm like, yeah, I've got a decent grasp and can consciously kind of note and notice when these are affecting me. But this one, emotional rest, needing emotional rest. I don't know what that is half the time. I just, because I I just get cranky. So, (laughs) and, and cranky can mean, you know, just physically tired it can mean mentally tired it can mean um socially tired creatively tired right so this cranky feeling but emotional rest what's really interesting when you dig into that it's when you feel overwhelmed or very up and down is the description and for me up and down means not just so i think it's a combination of things but it's sort of like everything is bothering me so it's not just social rest. It's not just physical. It's not like, okay, all my relationships are, like, everybody's annoying me right now. That's like, okay, I might need social rest. But it's like that. And work's annoying me. And even Max, like, just is bothering me. And everybody's, like, driving me nuts, you know? Like, it's just everything that happens is bothering me. 
And so when that's the case, it can be physical rest. So it can just be, hey, I need a nap. But more often than not, what I've noticed, and again, I'm still figuring this one out, but I've noticed that I'm sort of pushing myself emotionally too hard. So I'm not taking my emotions seriously, which is either, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm working too much and so I'm angry about that because I'm not giving myself enough free time or I'm stressed too much and I'm not having fun. Like what, whatever, if I'm not kind of, there's this whole concept of reparenting and parenting yourself. And I think that sort of ties in interestingly to the idea of needing emotional rest and essentially it's like nurturing yourself the way you would like to be nurtured and treating yourself the way you know you'd want your mom or dad or parent to to do so so it's like if I'm feeling you know everything's so serious and I'm not taking care of myself somehow then it's like asking myself okay what do I need what do I want what do I what's going on here like what am I not giving myself so that's I like to ask myself that question if I understand this this type of rest correctly, for me, I like to ask myself that. And if it's just taking a shower or, again, going for a walk or watching a nice movie that I like or making a really comforting meal, reading a book I love, like it's just listening. Maybe it is physical rest at that point. Like I try to just really listen to myself at that point. Some other ideas are speaking with someone, so whether it's a counselor, a therapist, talking to someone you trust, finding a way to express your feelings, so if that's talking it out, there's a you could do a voice note, even like this as I'm doing in the podcast, but you can do a voice note to yourself, you don't have to share it with anyone, but just talking it out, you can talk it out with someone you trust. Um, for me, I find that Talk therapy sometimes doesn't go far enough. And it's not because it's not effective. I think there there are definite situations and there's merit to traditional therapeutic settings. What I also do know is that sometimes, at least for me, it feels like I'm talked out. You know? Where it's just like, oh, everything is brutal right now. I'm so frustrated and I don't even have words to describe the feeling behind this anymore. Or the feelings around this. Like, I'm just... There's sort of this physical exhaustion tied to the emotional exhaustion. Like, you know, it's kind of like when you get dumped or a relationship ends for whatever reason or you lose a job or a client or someone passes away. Like something really kind of that can cause you grief or big stress, strife in your life where you're just like, oh, you feel this sort of just kind of drooping feeling, uh, you know, and some people do benefit from talking through that. Other people just need time. Other people need, you know, combinations. Everybody's different. For me, sometimes it's time alone. Sometimes it's talking with people. Sometimes it's asking myself what I need. Something that I think is interesting in this realm of around needing emotional rest. And when you're feeling very overwhelmed emotionally or just kind of up and down and unexplainably like, no, I'm resting, I'm eating decently well, like I'm doing all the things that I generally do and I still, like, there's something I can't really pinpoint what's up. What I'm finding is working is a physical, as Sonia actually in a previous episode said, a physical interruption. So it's kind of like, 
for me, tapping is something I'm exploring. And at first, I really wasn't sure of the benefits or how tapping could move emotion in the body. Like even that concept, saying it, you know, it's like, okay, we're, where are the emotions? They're stuck in different tissues. They're stuck in different parts of your body. It's kind of like when you're stressed, your muscles go really tense and your shoulders might go up. And so that's being tense in your sh- muscle tissue of your shoulders And so the idea is letting that go and not just releasing your shoulders, but it's like that tension is built up. And that's why massage can be helpful and why sometimes after a really good massage, you might want to cry or you find that it even moves your, the fluids in your lymphatic system. You know, when you end a massage and it's like your nose is stuffy. Have you ever had that? I love massages like that. I feel like it's a good massage actually lymphatic massage is usually very gentle which was also in a, <laughs> my first lymphatic massage I remember I was actually on the beach and I was so excited I'm like oh I'm getting a massage and I'm so used to it having to be really tough right it's like oh yeah I'm gonna get this like really intense sports massage in my head it's like yeah we're gonna move all these these lymph fluids like it's gonna be great and then <laughs> I barely felt like I felt as though I was being caressed you know, it was like just very soft. I thought, what is this? And then I read about it afterwards because I didn't even research the difference in what it was. I had assumed, I understood the goal, but I didn't understand the the process. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, I, I felt like I just got gently caressed by a loving mother or something, you know? And it was very nice in its own way, but I was super surprised. Anyhow, point being... I think that um, somatic manipulation, some sort of physical manipulation can be remarkably useful if you're feeling emotionally in some sort of turmoil or just emotionally unwell. And that's, I think, correlated as well to why a lot of research is looking at exercise and depression. And I'm not, definitely not (laughs) a doctor or an expert on this, so this is not medical advice or anything at all any of this episode actually, but what I will say is there's something to this mind-body connection. Our minds are not separate from our bodies. Our bodies do feel like, it's like, you know, oh, the best example of this for me is like, you know, when you're about to miss a train, like so many times when I would commute to school, actually, I remember that the train would be like, I'd be, my dad would be dropping me off at the train station and I would see the train there and your heart, you know, when your heart starts beating, you're like, oh, I'm going to miss this train. I can't miss it. Like I got to go. And you just start running. Right. And so you're, it's not just your head, like your body gets primed into this, like, got to go, got to make it. And your heart starts beating and everything starts going. You're breathing heavier, like everything, you start sweating and then you run and you hopefully make it to your train. Sometimes you don't, but Hey, that's life. <laughs> but you try, you really try to make it to your train. And that is sort of, for me, it's like your thought there, your awareness of like, oh, I'm going to be late or I got to make this train gets your body into action. And so, I mean, we know this, right? Like our body sends signals to our brain and vice versa. And so the gut, gut brain connection and the gut body connection. I mean, yeah, I I won't (laughs) derail this episode more than I already have. However, what I'm trying to say is or actually what I'm saying quite concretely is that emotional rest similar to creative rest or mental rest I believe can be counterbalanced with 
a physical intervention. And one physical intervention that I have understood works well, one is massage. So, and Reiki falls under massage, which is energy work, which is the person not touching you, but they're shifting the energy in your body. And it's palpable, right? When you're with somebody that's super stressed out, even if you close your eyes and somebody comes into the room. So you people would say, oh yeah, well, if I'm with someone that's stressed out, I can tell in their body language, right? I can tell in the tone of their voice. But then how come when someone's approaching you or even approaching you from behind, let's say, you can get a sense, you get this like six, like, oh, something, you don't even see it, right? You just perceive it, like something's up and you kind of get this and you see the person approaching you. You can feel people's, energy and so similarly i mean that's a whole other discussion but essentially working on releasing the emotions that are trapped in the tissue of the body is proven to help and a big component of most treatments is if you believe it so (laughs) if you believe it it might actually help you probably will that's a whole placebo effect right so I have found that with emotional rest, often getting back into my body, whether it is just like a slow yoga, a deep breathing, something that really brings me back to myself because a lot of the mental unrest or emotional unrest, it feels like it's ungrounded, right? You feel like you're kind of outside of yourself, your body. And so I think... There's a, also definitely a link there to technology. There must be when it comes to being super mentally focused and then on tech and with the bright light of it and that whole bit. I think it's very easy to forget hunger signals, fatigue signals, so on and so forth. So anyhow, emotional rest, feel overwhelmed, up and down, just not feeling like you're nurturing yourself, asking yourself what is it that I need and considering a massage or... EFT, emotional freedom technique, or some sort of tapping, or potentially talk therapy, expressing your feelings in some way, whether it's in written form, verbal form, in kinetics. It actually makes sense now that I say it all out loud without having thought of this previously, but, you know, we all sort of assimilate information in different ways, and so there's auditory learners, visual learners, and then kinesthetic, which is by touch. So it makes complete sense to me that changing your emotional state would benefit greatly from negotiating with yourself on which form might be most useful to you at this time. And if you don't know consciously, potentially trying one or all three of them. Okay, into spiritual rest. Interesting. This one... I'm trying to kind of wrestle with my business school background explanation versus a more faith-filled explanation and how to verbally communicate in this episode about this. So, okay, you need spiritual rest when you feel like you're lacking purpose and meaning or you're questioning your beliefs. So... Where am I headed? What, you know, this bad thing happened. Potentially, again, it could be also in combination with needing mental rest or emotional rest. But it's this pervasive and persistent kind of search for meaning. 
I think that we can rationalize ourselves through our search for meaning. And there are so many resources out there from philosophers. The Bible is actually a great source. And other religious texts point toward the human innate search for meaning, purpose, a bigger a bigger reason why for everything. I mean, as humans, we're constantly looking for the why, right? The purpose of things, the purpose of... Other people's actions are our own. And so I would say it's when we feel a bit down and out. And it's kind of like in <laughs> in some movies, you know, when you see the person in the bathroom kind of praying like, God, if you just, you know, if you just show me the way or if you just give me this one thing, like I promise I'll be good. It's kind of like that moment of reckoning, I think. And I mean, I've had this on a number of occasions, like definitely, you know, working in digital strategy and then thinking, man, I mean, this is really good and I really like my boss But something like this nagging feeling that something is missing, something's not entirely right, for me would mean some sort of spiritual unrest. I might not have this one perfectly sorted either, (laughs) now that I consider it further. But when you're questioning your beliefs, when you're looking at your purpose and meaning, like, why am I here? Why am I doing this job? Why am I wanting to be a parent, why do I want to get married, like these kind of, I think, big life decision points, or, so it can be like a big life decision moment, or a moment when something really big in your life happens, so that can be a moment when you kind of have this spiritual questioning, and you need to take time to rest and pause, so it can be a big moment. I also would say we need spiritual rest sometimes when the day in, day out approach to our lives simply has gotten to be Like, we're just over it. You know? Like, we're just over the day-to-day... Sorry, Max is kind of here. Sort of hanging out, sort of not. (laughs) He says hi. Um, So, when we've found that we've just had enough with our day-to-day and it's this slow grind away. And I think we get this with all the other types of rest, I would say right? Like physical rest can come from many, many days of working the night shift or working super late or emotional rest, being day in, day out in a relationship that we're not super pleased with, whatever. So I don't think spiritual rest is any different. I think sometimes it can be, hello, I just found my lovely guy here on my bed. Pardon me. I'm working on him not. If there are any dog dog trainers, dog experts in the house, I have not navigated. This is my first dog. And I can't say that I've got that figured out either. He uh, He really loves couches and he really loves being close and cuddling and he's a cuddly dude. Um, but he doesn't sleep in the bed with me. So, I don't know. I feel like feels like a bit of a parenting moment or something. Like I'm not really sure if I'm doing something wrong by letting him be on the couch and then not letting him be in the bed. I don't know if I'm overthinking that. Um but sometimes it feels perhaps like I'm giving mixed signals to my lovely little puppy here. Uh okay. So, spiritual rest is needed when you feel like you're lacking Purpose, meaning, or questioning your beliefs. 
say that again because I'm still kind of negotiating with it consciously like how do I calm myself to that when that w- that's really hard when you're in that place it can almost be quite emotional as well somehow when you just feel like you're lacking purpose in your job or in your marriage or when your kids move out but then it can also like I was just saying be a sort of day-to-day thing where oh man like you just kind of wake up one day and it's like I just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and it's eroding my soul and I'm just not in the right spot somehow. So I think when that's the case, for me, definitely, again, this idea of nature, this idea of pause and potentially isolation. So maybe you you do want to be alone to reckon with that and sort of connect with yourself again and doing whatever you do to connect with your body and yourself if you're not that spiritual and this whole idea kind of makes you feel like well what how is this any different from emotional rest or mental rest like it's the same thing I think this is when you feel like you've been brought to your knees by life you don't know what to do next there's a real reckoning to whatever degree you feel is happening It can be life-altering, earth-shattering, or it can just be important or not. It can be just a day-to-day, like, you feel like you're in a reckoning with with God a bit. And even if you're not that spiritual, I think we've all had those moments where we just, like, look up to the sky and are like, what? Is this for real? Like, is this really happening? So if we're not going to call it spiritual rest, you know, there's some level of just looking up to the sky, something bigger, something beyond us. Even if it's not this higher power or bigger power, it's like, this is beyond me. I can't control this. This is beyond myself, my actions, my thoughts. I think that's really important because no matter what you say around God or religion, like that's not what we're talking about here. Now we're just saying, There's so much vast, just everything. Nature is so vast beyond us. And that's incredibly humbling. I think it's why we have those sorts of feelings when we're around mountains or the ocean or a huge forest. It's just like, wow, I'm so small. I'm so, my time on earth is so meaning, not meaningless, that's harsh. (laughs) It's so short and this brief snippet and and just speck in time and what am I here for what's even the point you know like what what am I even doing what's the point of this podcast episode it's that kind of questioning that I think is this type of spiritual needing spiritual rest to just reconnect and kind of answer some of those questions or or at least start to examine and mull those questions around in your mind so it can look like time in nature. Nature is really great to reconnect us to that vast outside world. I think when we're in our houses, on our laptops, on our phones, in our little bubbles, kind of commuting back and forth or just kind of hanging out with our core 10 people, it's like really easy to forget, especially if we live in cities, that there's this huge world outside of us. And so getting out to a vast field or lake, ocean forest place where trees or wildlife outnumbers you and the humans around you 
I think that's really, really good for contemplating the meaning of life and looking at stars. And we seek this out inherently with camping and hiking and that type of thing. Just a, even a humbling of sorts. If you are religious or do resonate with places of worship, that can absolutely be something. If you have your own practice of prayer or however you connect to a higher source of power, intuition, guidance, whatever word you use, this is probably a time for that. And if you want to be more cognitively focused and rational about it, I would say to explore what matters to you and to discern your core values and then act upon them. The process of inquiry to examine your core values is spiritual. (laughs) Perhaps I can just hear in the back of my head my rational, lovely husband being like, yeah, but that's not spiritual. That's just you thinking through what's important to you. That's very, very rational and logical. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know if the distinction is even relevant other than to say exploring what matters to you and matters to me deeply. What's really important to me on a you know, like health, my family, like some of these core things being genuine and authentic, like the kind of core tenets to how you're living your life. Um, I think they're both. I think they're both rational and logical. They benefit you in your day-to-day life in a very practical way. But it's interesting how so many of us do tend toward some of these core human, very human principles and values that we hope to embody and strive to embody as a society. So... Interesting one, spiritual rest. (laughs) Okay, and the last one. Ooh, this one hits home again with my car accident and with how rapid fire emails are and just everything in our day-to-day, depending on where you live, right? So if you're living in a forest in the middle of Sweden, then this might not apply as often, but to me... This one, sensory rest, was huge in recovering from my accident because I went from living a normal life to having a car accident and then having the emergency doctors tell me to go into a dark room and just hang out, which we now know is absolutely the worst thing you can do. Actually, it was known when the car accident happened, but the doctors at the emergency room were not privy to that information when they instructed me to go home. So that's a whole... Really, truly a whole other podcast. Perhaps if I can get a concussion specialist on here, that would be a brilliant show. But point being, when you're feeling a bit frazzled, world feels to be too much. If you're in a really busy environment a lot of the time, whether it's a busy office place, busy home, like just people are in and out, up and down, like there's just a lot going on in sensory, right? So like see, smell, hear, taste, touch. Um, So any of those where you're just like, I I hear a lot from, actually from new 
newer moms and they'll say, oh, I'm just touched out. And it's like, what? I've never, (laughs) what does that mean? It's just like when, you know, you have to cuddle somebody all the time, like someone's always around you and you kind of get this feeling like, oh, I just, it's too much. So it's a feeling of too much, too much screen time, too much talking, too much movement and stuff around you, that frazzled feeling, too much traffic, too many people in a crowd, too many competing priorities, too many kids screaming and the TV's on and the laundry machine's on and the dishwasher's on and then, you know, the phone's ringing and your email's going and it's just like, okay, enough. So that's when you need it, (laughs) when you're, you've had a lot of screen time or you're in a place where there's just, it's buzzing, right? It's just buzzing all the time. So solution, what do we do? Of course, our go-to answer for all of these is nature. So all of these, I think, are an overstimulation in one sense or another, right? It's just like too much physical movement, too much mental thought, too much creating, too much kind of nose to the grindstone. And so you need to pan out your view and look at life in a broader sense. That's a spiritual one. Kind of you want a broader view of what's up in life or um, too much emotionally. So it's what, all of these are like too much movement. And so I think a broad antidote we could say for all of them, which I'm noticing is this idea of nature because there's so much stillness. And even if there's movement, so even if you sit at the sea where the waves are coming in and out, you're still, and it's a completely kind of recharge because why does that work? I'm kind of trying to think, for me at least, the ocean just, or any body of water, but often the ocean is stronger for me. It like works wonders. I'm just in awe of the sea. I could sit by it for hours. Like if I can, when I was in Mexico, I could open the window and just all night hear the waves. And that was like the biggest recharge for me. I love that sound. Hmm. It's almost like a lullaby. You know, it kind of lulls you in. So I think sitting there and just listening to nature sounds, there's there's some sense of we are still and we're within this environment that's sort of slowly moving, like it's a different pace. I think nature moves at such a different pace from us in our modern society for the most part, right? Again, depends where you live. You can go to places, um, you drive around rural parts of Croatia and you don't even have to drive far. You can drive 20 minutes out of Zagreb, the capital, like 20 minutes. And you've got farmers that are growing their own vegetables, have their own animals. And the pace, the pace of life is so different. It's like you're watching a tomato grow. You know what I mean? It's like completely different deal. You're planting your seeds. You're watching them grow. You're reaping what you sow it's kind of this like harvest more agricultural pace which is like you have seasons for things and the seasons last months not minutes so yeah sensory rest is real and nature is a great antidote meditation always helps anything grounding again a digital detox of sorts because tech moves so fast right and you always have to be on and things are just pinging and dinging so incessantly and anything that kind of allows you to focus in on one thing which is why I said meditation but I think that's what perhaps 
lulls us out of the sensory overload. So even if you're sitting and mindfully having a cup of tea or your favorite warm drink, it's like you're just, you're super presenced into that one thing that you're doing. And I think that's what for me when I sit at the sea, when I sit at the ocean and just listen to the waves go in and out and I'm just watching. It's like nothing else is getting to me because I'm just there. I'm just present there with what's going on. So I think that's what sensory rest is when we're frazzled because of so many different points of data coming in at us from multiple multiple places and we're just we kind of zero in on one thing and get really really quiet so I hope that learning with me through this discussion about the seven types of rest physical mental social creative emotional spiritual and sensory was interesting and valuable. I actually learned a lot by talking through this with you. So thank you so much for joining me and being here, supporting this show. It's absolutely my pleasure to be able to share information and learn and grow with you. So thank you and enjoy the rest of your day.